Establishment economists are celebrating the so-called soft landing of the economy in 2023 without a recession. But for so many working people, the narrative that everyone is doing great is just a cruel joke as it remains as hard as ever to make ends meet. We need a new system. We need a new society. We need to demand that which may have sounded impossible even a few weeks ago, but is not only realizable, but an imperative necessity. We're very excited to have Professor Richard Wolf join us for a regular weekly segment where we discuss the biggest stories relating to the economy, the state of the working class, and the crimes of big business. I'm Walter Smolarik, filling in for Brian Becker. The Socialist Program brings you content several days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show. Richard Wolf is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work and the author of many books, the latest being The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. You can check out all of his work at rdwolf.com. Well, Professor Wolf, this is our first interview of the new year of 2024. Happy New Year to you. The mainstream economists, you know, all of the, the business press, you know, outlets, Wall Street Journal, CNBC, they think it will be a very happy new year. They're feeling very optimistic. They're celebrating. They're saying that, you know, essentially we dodged a bullet in 2023. 2023 was an excellent year because there is no recession. And in fact, there was a soft landing. A lot of articles showing up with this narrative. We've talked about it before on this show. Let me give you one, one example. This is from New Year's Day. The Wall Street Journal. Optimism abounds on Wall Street this new year. Wall Street is feeling sunny about the stock market as the calendar flips to 2024. Last year's widespread skepticism proved to be misplaced. Stocks rose through much of 2023, powered by the rise of artificial intelligence and an economy that stayed stronger than nearly all of Wall Street had anticipated. The recession that investors had largely agreed was imminent never came. So, Professor Wolf, this is interesting, I think, for a, a few different reasons. And I, I'd like to um, sort of dig into some of those factors, actually, that the Wall Street Journal is, is identifying. But this basic concept of a soft landing or a hard landing, just explain that, if you will. I mean, why was there so much fear of a recession? And what did the Federal Reserve do that actually made that seem highly likely? Okay. The context in which to answer your question is that everyone should remember that capitalism has always been a highly unstable system. It is beset by what it calls crises, downturns, recessions, depressions, business cycles, an endless list of names, because it has never been able to solve the problem summarized by this statement of the National Bureau of Economic Research, an American institution. Every four to seven years on average, capitalist economies crash. Suddenly, for a whole host of reasons, people are thrown out of work, middle and small companies, and usually a few big ones go belly up, declare bankruptcy, 
the government is asked to come in and bail out who's ever in the worst shape among the business community, and then also to bail out to some extent mass unemployment with unemployment compensation and so on. Every effort for the hundreds of years that we've had capitalism to rid the system of this instability has failed. That's why we are now discussing in the year 2024 whether and when and how the next one is coming. And you're quite right. At the beginning of 2023, the year just passed, the consensus view of the pundits was that we would have a hard year economically. And the reason for that was very simple. Indeed, I ought to say simple-minded. Here's how it worked. We were then in the throes of a very serious inflation that looked like it could and would get much worse. So we called on the Federal Reserve to take the most conservative possible steps to deal with it, not to declare a wage price freeze, which is a way of dealing with it. They chose not to discuss, let alone consider. Rationing, similarly, pushed to the side. They did one thing. They raised interest rates very far, very fast, showing you how panicked they were by the inflation that had come shortly after the collapse from the pandemic, which had come through the collapse of the last business cycle downturn, which hit us in late 2019 and early 2020, just before the pandemic made it all worse. So to deal with this inflation a year ago, the Federal Reserve commenced a major dramatic raising of interest rates. We all know what that was like. The housing market in America collapsed, as we know it must, because houses are bought based on the interest rate, mortgages involve and that people have to pay. We know that it will hurt the economy because the cost of buying a car on time, which most Americans do, will go up. So will the cost of college. So will the interest rate you carry on your credit card. All of those negative consequences from the interest rate hike of the Federal Reserve is what led the consensus to say, oh, we're going to have a downturn in 2023. All of those predictions were wrong, and I urge everyone to be as mindful of the utter mistake made by the consensus narrative one year ago when thinking about how much confidence to put in to the consensus narrative we're hearing now about how next year, that is this one, 2024, will be great. No, it won't. There are so many problems this economy has, so many of which have been kicked down the road, that there is no basic reason other than huckstering, other than PR, other than the Democratic Party trying desperately to put as good a face on this economic disaster that we're living through as it can for one reason, to reelect Mr. Biden.
And for the Republicans, they're stuck. They would like to denounce a terrible e economy because they could blame it on Biden and thereby help Trump or whoever else they put up. But they dare not because the people who really run this system, the folks at the top of the economic ladder, they don't want troubling upsets from either party. They don't want people to think that the economy is in deep doo-doo, which it is. They want there to be celebration, uplift, positivity as one way to cope with the hard problems. But most smart people know that you don't solve problems by pretending they're not there. Let me give you, if I may, just a few, very few, of the very large number, which I'd be happy to go through with you, of reasons why to be nervous about the American economy rather than full of these glad tidings. Let me start with a simple statistic. Announced on the 2nd of January, 2024, a rather remarkable fact that for the first time ever, a Chinese electric vehicle company, BYD, by name, three initials, BYD, in the last quarter of this last year, 2023, sold more electric vehicles around the world than what we used to call the number one electric vehicle producer, namely Tesla. Yeah, another Chinese company snatches another global headline from an American company. It's symbolic by itself. It's not all that meaningful, but as a symbol of the changing world economy, which raises problems for American prosperity, it ought to be front and center. But the fact of it is, in our media, the meaning of it is carefully limited and removed from most media coverings. Okay, here's another one. Even the few of our leaders, like Janet Yellen, have said publicly that they are distressed, they've been saying it for years, by the inequality of income and wealth in the United States, which keeps getting worse, as it has now for over 30 years. Is there a change? No. Are we seeing steps taken to reverse, to undo that inequality? No. Even during the pandemic, it got worse. And since the end of that, it's continued to get worse at a more rapid rate. This ought to worry anyone. Then there are the fact that we have at least two wars going on, one in Ukraine, one in Gaza, and another one look like it may emerge at any moment in the Red Sea, pitting Iran and its allies against the United States. And it's, a, my goodness, any one of those blowing out of control, which all of them are capable of, could dramatically alter everything else we're talking about. The level of debt in the United States, carried by our businesses, carried by the government, carried by our households, is spinning out of control again, reminding people of the buildup to the last crash that really shook us, the 2008 and 9 one. I'll leave for the moment the one that hit us in 2020. You know, 
advertisers don't stop telling Americans about how they ought to aspire to the American dream. But if you look at what the pandemic did, what the inflation took away from us afterwards, what the rising interest rates took away from us after that, we're not caught up. We haven't begun to offset the decline in the economic well-being of the mass of Americans. That's why they keep saying the economy is a disaster, leaving the pundits to ask the stupid question, not why is my view different from that of the mass of the people, but instead the very self-serving question, why don't the people actually see what the data show? You're looking at the wrong data, Jack. You've cherry-picked a few numbers that make you feel better, but they're not changing the real situation on the ground. Yeah, extremely important context. I want to get more into the politics of this in a moment, but let me ask you one other question that's just based on that passage from the Wall Street Journal that we were reading at the beginning of the interview, because it cited the rise of artificial intelligence as one of the key reasons why Stocks rose through much of 2023, one of the key reasons why the economy is stronger, more resilient than expected. Now, what they're talking about, I think, in this case particularly, is speculative investment, right? ChatGPT came out. There was an avalanche of, you know, billions and billions and billions of dollars of finance capital that was directed into that sector. That sort of temporarily pumped up the stock market, which, you know, of course, is another example of a thing that, you know, helps the very rich, like you're talking about, but has actually very, very little to no effect on the, the masses of working people. However, though, this is an interesting point because there is a parallel that you could draw from an earlier crisis of capitalism. I mean, the 1973 crisis was one that was also, you know, of a sort of systematic variety, some people might say, right, you know, one of these big crises that happen, you know, every several decades as opposed to, you know, the ones that happen every decade or so. And the introduction of computers uh, in the 1970s and the 1980s, leading to deindustrialization, that that in a way sort of let capitalism reinvent itself. Do you see similar potential for artificial intelligence by displacing huge numbers of workers and, and reviving the profitability of capitalism? Well, you know, here's the charming blindness of the mainstream media and the pundits that you've been quoting from the beginning. The one-sidedness, it's so charming to watch. It's so childlike. So we're, we're going to talk about artificial intelligence, and the stock market is excited because it sees what? It sees, hopefully, that there will be lots of investment in artificial intelligence by capitalists hoping to displace costly workers by means of this new technology and thereby boosting profits. Okay, nice story, but now let's add two contexts, which changes the whole color of the story. Context number one, unlike the computer revolution in the 70s and 80s, this time the AI revolution is happening not only in the United States, but in another part of the world, which is going faster, further with it namely China. And therefore, you have to wonder how many of these investments are going to be made in something that will not be able to compete with the Chinese in the way 
that my opening statistic about Tesla versus BYD illustrates is a very real problem. Answer, nobody says a word. They pretend they don't have to think about that. If they write about AI in China at all, it's in some other context, another article appearing at another time. Here's the second weird omission. If you have investment in AI, the way the stock market story goes, and you do indeed replace significant numbers of workers with AI, and there's an immense literature indicating that there's a good likelihood many capitalists will do it, you are then going to deprive those workers of jobs, and that's going to hurt their ability to buy anything. So the extra profit you make by replacing workers with AI, you risk losing because you can't sell what you produce to workers who've lost their jobs and are now busy scrounging the basics because they can't afford the glitzy output from AI-assisted production. Where is that in the equation? Answer, it's omitted so that we can all enjoy the same rose-colored glasses that are blinding the people who are there to cheerlead for a system in the only way that an advertising adult generation can. What do I mean? Advertisers tell you about all the good things they have about the article they're selling, and they hide or deny the bad things. They're hustling you. You can't afford that when you're looking at an economy. You have to do like a doctor does when he looks at your body. Look for all the signs that you're healthy and all the signs that you're not in order to come up with an assessment that is in some sense realistic. We don't have that. We have cheerleading media. They either tell a story a year ago that things were going to look down, or they tell a story things are going to look up. Their stories are as limited and lopsided as the employers and advertisers for whom they work. Uh, so, Professor Wolf, I, I want to turn to the politics of this now. You know, the, the Democrats were hoping to essentially organize an entire presidential campaign around this media narrative that we've been talking about, that everything is basically fine. The economy was going to go into a recession, but we've had this wonderful soft landing now because of the wise economic policies of the Biden administration. That fell completely flat. I mean, they spent months and months trying to get this thing to catch on. It didn't catch on. And now they're switching gears. They've leaked strategy memos. They've made it very clear to, to you know people who pay attention to politics that you know they're going to run about Trump and make this about democracy. If you vote for Joe Biden, that will save democracy in America. And if you vote for Donald Trump, that will be the end of democracy. And not to minimize, you know, the threat posed by Donald Trump, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on this because it seems like in the absence of an economic program, in, in the absence of, a, of a, at least a message that speaks to that very real suffering that working people are facing, I don't see how Biden is going to get people excited, mobilized, ready to, to go out there and really campaign for him on the basis of, of a zero positive program, right? A purely negative anti-Trump message. If that's totally divorced and, and actually connected to this like fantasy land view of the economic reality facing working people. 
Yeah, I I agree with you. I think he is unable to make the case. I don't think it's because of the mass of Americans don't look at data the way they suggest. That that just adds insult to the injury that the mass of people are living through. So, yeah, I'm a little bit taken aback. Why to stop claiming that? It was never true, but, you know, you claimed it for a while. You might as well continue. What really have you got to lose, especially because the response to the war in uh, Gaza, Israel's war on Gaza, has been much more opposition here in the United States than this government foresaw. And that is affecting young people, people of color, and so on. And that ought to worry Mr. Biden as well. And retreating to something vague about democracy, that really translates in plain English, can he scare enough people about the prospect of a Trump win to prevent that from happening. What comes to my mind was the effort that defeated the Republicans many, many years ago when the nuclear bomb was played on television next to every picture of one candidate telling people to avoid a nuclear war, don't vote for this person. Well, you can try to blame on Mr. Trump as much as they've been blaming him and maybe add a few more items and a few more lurid trial clips and make the case that the country would fall apart. The irony is that would be persuasive because the people you're making it to are the people who will, in fact, and this has been noted in in the world media, not the American media, of course, that for most of the rest of the world, their anxiety is if Trump is elected, the enemies of Trump from Biden on across the spectrum to the left will make governance in this country impossible, producing levels of civil tension, split the country in half or whatever proportions. That's the worry that is leading people around the world to wonder a lot, to wonder whether the Ukraine war in one way, the Israel-Gaza war in another, are attempts by people in power, Biden, Netanyahu, and so on, to stay that way because war makes people nervous and maybe they'll vote in a way they don't otherwise. But all of this, everything we've just talked about, should give pause to anyone making glowing predictions about what's about to happen in this economy. Wow, there is no way in a capitalism as divided, as ripped apart globally between the G7 and the BRICS, China and the United States, and these wars, and the bitterness of the American people's division politically and ideologically, out of this boiling mess, you're going to come up with a glowing future? It looks silly. It is as one-sided and childish in its simple-mindedness as last year it was to say, gee, well, if interest rates are going to come down, then everything is going to be good. It wasn't just that interest rates came down. We spent an enormous amount of money boosting a failed war in Ukraine and a new one in Israel. The government spent way more than it took in, in taxes, producing huge new budgetary deficits. Those had a lot to do, to say the least, with boosting, at least temporarily. But you know that four to seven year average is still right there. 
The last crash we had, 2020, four to seven years, hmm, that begins this coming year and then runs two or three more before the next one. And we've had, what, three this century? Dot com in 2020, subprime mortgage 2028, COVID 2020, right on schedule every seven years. The next one, we're going to have it soon. And we're left with a debate not whether to have a system that imposes this instability on us, but simply handicapping just exactly when the feared downturn will come and hurt more millions of people in our country. It is a shame that we don't catch up and debate the system itself rather than worrying and, and guessing about its ups and downs. Yeah, childish is really the right word to describe it. Well, we're going to have to leave it right there. We have been joined by Professor Richard Wolf. He is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work, the author of many books, the latest being The Sickness is the System When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. Check out his work at rdwolf.com. You have been listening to The Socialist Program. We bring you content several days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show. You've been listening to The Socialist Program with Brian Becker, where we bring you news and views about the world for those who want to change it. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And watch video episodes of our in-depth show, The Real Story, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube with our partner, Breakthrough News. We can only continue our work bringing you high-quality news, analysis, and history with the support of our listeners. Connect with us and become a patron at patreon.com slash the socialist program and receive an invitation to participate in an exclusive monthly seminar with Brian Becker. Thank you.